It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan, and making his return to North America, folks, it is my pleasure to welcome back my very handsome co-host, who I'm curious if he has a British accent or not now, but Taylor, welcome back, my friend. Hey, thanks. I had a accent for every country I was in, and then I let them go. I didn't let them go. They just kind of faded away. I'm sure that went over really well in each of those countries. They loved it. Yeah, it was great. Beautiful. How was the trip? It was great. Uh, Did you know that England and Scotland, despite both being part of the UK, have different money? Do they really? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I knew Ireland did. Ireland's not part of the UK, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so they're on the euro and all that. And then, you know, go to England or whatever. They have pounds. Scotland has their own pounds. How about that? Wow. Good for them, though. They have their own parliament. I went to it. It was shockingly accessible. And uh, wow, yeah, a lot of cool stuff over there. We love that. That's great. Well, I'm sorry that you had to come back to the United States to an 0-2 Buffalo Sabres team, folks, as, of course, the Sabres' regular season got underway with a pair of losses, first a 5-1 to loss against the New York Rangers on Thursday, followed by a Saturday 3-2 to loss in a game that was much, much closer. We could start off with the Rangers game. It was just ugly from start to finish. I, it just was a team that was very sluggish-looking, a team that clearly had not played a meaningful regular season game in like six plus months. And there was a lot of stuff from just, again, looking a little bit sluggish on the ice to missed passes to just firing shots wide to just like a lack of chemistry out there. And it was just, again, you would expect that maybe there'd be some rust they'd have to shake off. Obviously you could say the same about the Rangers and while they beat them five to one, but still this is an 82 game season, folks It is not an 80 game season even though it seems as though some people are maybe feeling a little bit differently about that. But either way, it was not a good start to the Sabres here to this regular season, a year that, of course, we all know the hype that is surrounding us, the importance of this season here, how important it is for the Sabres to take the next step and make the playoffs here. So let's kind of get into why we are where we are right now and what the path forward looks like for starters. Our top end guys have not been producing between the top line cousins and Darlene one point between the five of them through two games, which is just simply not going to cut it. But at the same time, you have to remember that it's not always going to be like this and that they are eventually are going to turn things around. The light's going to go on something that is definitely going to have to change and is going to require Granado to step in though, is 
that second line and Victor Olofsson, because it really feels like the man, as was expected, is just anchoring Dylan Cousins right now. Cousins has just really not looked himself to start off this 2023-2024 season. A lot of that, of course, is due to some of his own play, and but it's undeniable that just Olafson has been a crater at five on five. It has rolled over from last year. Any sort of optimism that people may have had about being able to put Olafson in that spot and getting him to produce, given how good Cousins was, just completely has gone out the window. You just you need to switch that lineup and get him off of that second right wing spot. We'll get into some of the possible solutions in a moment. But again, just not a good start for that line. A very, very rough start to the season for Victor Olofsson in addition to Dylan Cousins there. A pleasant surprise, though, this third line of Greenway, Middlestat, and Benson. They have, It's been a great start for this one. Benson with a multi-assist game in his second NHL game. He's really thriving on that line. Jordan Greenway has been just rock solid for them in that middle six role. I mean, I know it's two games and we got to not get swayed too far one way or the other, but I've been very impressed with how he's looked so far out of the gate here, being able to, you know, look a little bit more like the player that I think the Sabres were really trying to inject into their lineup when they had acquired him last year. With that being said, Taylor, what is your initial reaction to the Sabres own to start? Well, it's really disappointing given how excited everyone was coming to this season. I think there's more anticipation for this season than any year in, in more than a decade, probably since the 11-12 season, when they everyone excited for Leno, Erhoff, and Regeer. So it's there's it's not a good way to start it. It was against two playoff teams from last year. You know, I'd like to say two teams that lost in the first round, one team that might not be a playoff team again. But just looking at the two games, the the Rangers game, total disaster uh to me. It's it's basically every Everything going wrong that could, the underlyings of that game were terrible. Even the best guys, even the first line, as you mentioned. The Islanders game kind of just feels like some Islanders bullshit. So yep. <laughs> this, it's just, it really is like it, it, it's basically the same game they played in March against them. Very annoying, you know, ref stuff, Sorokin stuff, annoying. But I would say it's worth mentioning that. If these two games were just two games in the middle of the season, we might not feel any way at all about them, which is just kind of how hockey is. But it's just, it's all we've seen from them so far, so it's hard now to. I would say if they got smacked around by the Islanders like they did by the Rangers, I'd be really worried. But they didn't. Like, it it was a game they easily could have won, and, and they got better as the game went on. So I, I can't be too mad about that, but uh, no one to start with the Lightning coming to town. I'm not thrilled about that, obviously. Well... Hopefully we're not uh, going to be the next stop on the Jonas Johansson revenge tour here, but the Sabres have a very important stretch of games coming up. As you said, starting off Tuesday night against Tampa from there, they play against Calgary on Thursday, back again against the Islanders on Saturday. And then you have a pair of winnable games the following week against Montreal and Ottawa. So this next upcoming five game stretch here is going to be imperative for the Sabres. From these five games, to me, you got to, I think, win more than half of them. I think if they can come away winning three of these games at least, I'm going to feel a lot better about things. 
But let's get into, I, I guess, a little bit more in-depth here with some of the things that maybe need to change. For starters, one of the things that doesn't need to change and that the Sabres should keep rolling is this third line of Middlestack, Greenway, and Benson. I think that they have been off to a great start. According to our pal Sabermetrics, again, bearing in mind that we're talking about a two-game sample size here. According to Sabermetrics, the Sabres have a 29.98 expected goals for percentage at 5-on-5 five five when Zach Benson has not been on the ice this season. And with Benson on the ice, their expected goals for percentage is 67.7% at five on five. It goes to show how strong Benson has been and how well-suited he has been playing on that third line right now. He looks like he's really able to keep up with the the pace of play at the NHL level. And I I guess the best compliment that you can give, and bearing in mind that we're talking about an 18-year-old who was drafted outside of the top 10 here, is that he looks like he's a passable third liner at the NHL level right now, which I think is great. Let's get into the not so good, though. As we talked about, the Olofsson situation is just a problem right now. I think taking it even a step further, a fact that he is so bad at five on five and he is getting ice time over Tyson Jost, who has been in the press box these first two games is a definite problem here. And I think it speaks to the fact that Olsen should have been moved this past summer. I know that there was obviously some risk involved with the Jack Quinn injury and just wanting to have further forward depth, but you know what you have in Olsen. And I think more importantly, you know what you're not going to get out of Olsen as well. And what Jack Quinn gives you and what Victor Olsen gives you are two very different things and filling in that slot the profile of a player like Victor Olofsson is not what you need in that slot next to Dylan Cousins and J.J. Paterka here. One of the ideas that I have that I'm curious for your thoughts on is Olofsson to the press box. You move Peyton Krebs up the lineup, who I think has had a pretty strong generally start to the season here with his two-way play. We talked about it all offseason that at some point you're going to have to figure out what you have with Krebs in terms of his offensive ceiling. You know that the defensive side of his game is there. So why don't you move Krebs up to that second line, play him on the wing with Cousins and Paterka, and then you insert Jost into the fourth line, have your fourth line of Jost with Jorgensen Opozo, and I think that gives you a lot more stability because not only are you removing a negative five-on-five player out of the lineup by taking Olsen out, you're putting in his spot somebody that has proven that they have a very responsible defensive side of their game. So what are your thoughts on maybe moving Krebs up or if you have any other ideas for how to shake up the lineup a little bit to get the guys going? Well, so Krebs is absolutely a possibility. So with the Krebs situation, uh, it's interesting because if you, you know, you remember, I'm sure, but I don't know if most people remember this. When he came to the Sabres after the Eichel trade, uh, he got to the lineup. He was actually renowned more so for his passing than anything else. And he was an exciting guy to have around at the end of that 21-22 season. So I would like to see him, yeah, more in a middle six role, at least see what he has. I don't want to there's going to be a lot of guys coming up in the next couple of years and a lot of them are already up. And with Quinn coming back, it's going to be hard. There's going to be log jam at Ford. So it's not going to be easy to know what each guy can do. You're not going to be able to get everyone NHL minutes. So I think Krebs, you know, you have the opportunity to right now to do it, do that with him. It's a good opportunity. You should do that now, but I just, yeah, I think <laughs> removing Olsen from the lineup entirely actually makes a lot of sense to me. And putting Jost in, because why'd you re-sign Jost? Right. Like, yeah, I mean, if Quinn was here and he was in the press box, I'd say, yeah, well, he's a nice guy to have around if you need him. Right now, you fucking need him. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sorry. We saw the end of last season with Olofsson. Granado doesn't trust him. He wasn't good at five on five. And taking the long view, as we've said before, the middle third of last season, when he scored at five on five, that was an anomaly. 
He didn't do it the beginning part of last season. He didn't do it at all in 21-22, 20-21, or 19-20, his first three seasons. He didn't score at even strength. He never does. He did it for a little while, and that was good. I think it was – that was probably middle stat, kind of making that happen for him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I – man, I don't know. I, I I just don't really see it anymore. Now that they they don't really have a space for him, they don't need him in the power play like they used to, there's no reason to have him around there. So I think moving Joe's back into the lineup and moving Krebs up is a great idea. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I think, again, to kind of go back to my point from earlier, it kind of speaks to the fact that, like, what prevented you from going out and getting a mid round pick for him in the off season or something like there's value to the, to a guy that scores 20 goals for you. Now, obviously when I say that, are we talking about like value on the ice five on five, what have you? No, but we know how NHL GMs work. We know how these moves happen. There's a team out there for sure that I'm sure would have made a move for Victor Olofsson for the right price. And what is his future on this team? Where does he fit? I mean, he really doesn't like, you know, we're, we're at the point now that we had said going into last season, you know, we got to ask some tough questions here about what the future looks like for Middlestad and Olafson on this team moving forward. And Middlestad, I think at the very least, take a little bit more time to see what you have here. You don't have to rush to give him an extension right now or anything like that. And you don't also have to rush to to move him. You you have that luxury here because of the fact that he earned it. He earned that right for him to be able to come back this year and to see really if he'll be able to further cement himself into the future of the core of this team. And what has Olofsson done to have gotten another chance this year? I mean, really nothing. Like, you know what you have there. There's no more questions about Olsen. We know exactly what he is. We know exactly what he brings to the table for this team. And we know exactly what he leaves to be desired. So yeah. what was the point in bringing him back? It, it, to me, it just, it, it's just it's nonsensical. I mean, I guess, but that's depth for the sake of depth. Would you rather have Victor Olofsson? Or would you rather get a look at, like, Lucas Rusek or, or Brandon Byro in the lineup? That's a good point, because... When you're talking about guys like that, you're talking about guys who, especially with Rusek, you're t- they play much more of an even strength, 60 minutes game. They're not you're not expecting to see them in the power play or anything like that. That's someone I would rather see. Yeah, you're right. Me as well. I mean, see what you have there. You know, like we we kind of have joked about it over the years, Taylor, that the Sabers are like the the king of all teams when it comes to having fringe AHL NHL guys who really never end up getting like a proper look and yeah while you still have some time there i mean i i would say on a handful of other teams in the nhl rusek and byro would probably be fourth line guys for a team like they would be able to make another team's roster the sabers just really love bringing back the exact same forward group year after year and so you know here's where we are right now with that i will we'll end up seeing what happens here i would really hope that granado is gonna at the very least, move him around. But what should happen is that Olsen gets a night in the press box here and you get Jostin because undeniably you're better and you're a more well-rounded team with Jostin in the lineup. Let me ask you this, though, Taylor, as we're talking about with Zach Benson and the impressive start that he has had to this year, do you think it's worthwhile to try and move him into that spot next to Cousins and Paterka? Or is it a if it ain't broke, don't fix it scenario for you? 
the third line you're talking about you don't want to you don't want to move the third line around i'm asking you like do you feel yeah. as though like has benson earned the right to get moved up the lineup or do you think this is working right now this is like the one line that is consistently working for you right now do we maintain this and try something else to try and get the other lines going or do you think you try and whether it's you move you know, Benson up to that second line, or do you move Middlestad up to that second line and then you move Krebs into the third line center spot? What are your thoughts on how to best approach that? I think you move Krebs up. Yeah. I think that's easier. I mean, well, hmm. I feel like it makes to sense answer to answer the question, first. really. Yeah, I don't I don't think you have to move Benson yet. If you have a good thing going with Benson, Middlestad, and and Greenway, which Greenway, by the way, people are very excited about him. Maybe he just really was hurt at the end of year maybe the offseason did help that that'd be great uh yeah i don't really see the need to break them up right now but yeah it is i guess it's kind of tough trying to think about who actually should go in for olafson yeah i mean i i think that you have the luxury right now of being able to try this with krebs and put jost into krebs spot and then i mean you're only at game two you're going to be going into game three right now i should say and you have the luxury to try that for a couple of games and by game four or five, if something works great. And if not, then you have the opportunity to say, all right, Benson, let's get you in there with, with cousins and JJ, or let's put you with Skinner and, and Tage. And then you move Tuck down to that second line and play him with, with cousins and Paterka or move Skinner down to the second line and play with, with cousins and Paterka. And then you do a Benson Tage and Tuck first line. But I think before you get there, though, the first step really should be sitting down Olafson, getting Jost in, and then utilizing Krebs with the flexibility that you have right now in the top nine. But I think it's undeniable at this stage of the game that you have to do something, especially going in to a matchup against Tampa, who you are going to have the luxury of going against a team that, of course, is not having their usual starting goalie. So you're going to be going up more likely than not against Jonas Johansson. They're going to be playing their third game in four nights, this is a game you got to win. Like you I have agree. to win this game. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to give you an important comparison right after we hear a word from our sponsors. Nice segue. Folks, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. The NFL season's going strong. And DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweet offer every game day this October. So, folks, you might know the Bills are playing tonight against the New York Giants. But by the time you hear this, that'll be over. You're probably listening on Monday. And Monday, night football, Cowboys Chargers. Guys, it's kind of fun, not just because it's two good teams on offense that are not as good as they should be with two idiot head coaches. It's fun because whoever loses is like kind of screwed. They're in terrible shape. The Cowboys might be three and three. They'd probably be three games behind the Eagles in that case for the division. That'd be over. The Chargers could be two and three and then start worrying about they're going to make the playoffs or not. Right now, Cowboys are favored by one and a half at home. Think about that, I guess. That's an interesting one, right? I'm not going to tell you which way to go, but it's a, it's a fun game. Anyway, so what do you got to do if you want to get on that kind of fun action? 
Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet up to five on the NFL. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. And your call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee, partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana. 21 and over, but age will vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restriction terms and responsible gaming resources. And folks, this podcast is also brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. And Thin Man, just yesterday, this weekend, held their first ever Minky Day. At Kohl's, I'm told it was a great success. Seems like a lot of fun. Uh, if I hadn't just gotten back to the country, I would love to go. And I hope this is a thing in the future so that I can go to one. Brendan, have you uh, you have any thoughts on Mickey Day? I unfortunately was not able to go either. But I heard it was a great, great success. Good stuff. Well, that's the past. Here's what you can look forward to with Thin Man. New Haze. It's called the... Talisman of Yakima, a 7% hazy IPA. It's coming out of Thin Man's small batch program. It's brewed with Talus hops, allegedly crisp and refreshing. I believe them. I believe them. Uh, floral and berry notes, medium light bodied. So that's distri- that's uh, out in stores now. So folks, Thin Man Brewery, you know them, you love them. And where can you find them? Well, right now, I think the best place for you to find them is your local grocery store, your local bar, they might have them on tap. Your favorites, Pills Mafia. It is Bill's season. Uh, if you like Pilsners, they have three different sizes. They have 12 packs available and four packs, whatever you like. They also have, like I said, the, the tall cans, the 19.7 ounce cans. Hey, it was Mickey Day. Maybe you want some Mickey Boodle. If that got you going, there's a lot of Mickey Boodle available. Super Freak, Prowl by Wombat, all the famous Thin Man beers. So don't forget about it. Uh, get after it, folks. Thin Man Brewery. Well said, Taylor. Let's get back into some Sabres talk here. Yes, okay. Here's what I think. Sabres versus Tampa, Tuesday night. Sunday night, Bills versus Giants. People have already know the outcome of this game when they're listening to this, but the consensus going into this game, especially with how injured the Giants are, is that the Bills should just try to go out and take their frustrations out on them, beat them up, win by a lot, game's over by halftime, that kind of stuff. They're an inferior team, they're injured, their offense is a mess. And I agree with all that. And everyone, that's that's an easy thing to get along with, because it's like, yeah, but despite the fact the Giants were in the playoffs last year, they, you know, they're the Giants. We know what they are. They're not yeah. very talented. I kind of feel that way about Tampa in this game. And that's it's weird, because Tampa the previous three years before last year were the Eastern conference champions two Stanley cup final appearances. They've been in the conference final pretty much every year. Very good team. A lot of hall of famers. Here's the thing. Two things. First of all, they're old. Second, sorry, three things, I guess, like you mentioned three games in four nights, they should be tired. The Sabres should be rested. That's good. Mm-hmm. The other thing, Jonas Johansson, 
Your boy. It's time. It is time for the top six to wake up. Wake up, sheeple. It's time for you guys to have one of your fun five or six goal games like we knew so well last year. Tage, two goals. Skinner, a goal. Tuck, three assists. Cousins, a goal. Dalene, a couple assists. That's the kind of game we're looking for. And this is the perfect opportunity. He's terrible. Even after having like a nice kind of first, I don't know, half of a game against Nashville, he said two games. He's at an 889 save percentage, despite the fact that I know they're trying to make it easy on him. And, I mean, we saw him here in Buffalo. He's terrible. As John Vogel once said, he didn't even make saves in practice. Yep. And the Lightning should be tired. They're not a deep team anymore. You're going to have a lot of guys out there for the Lightning. Uh, It's going to be unlike recent years, even last year, where you're like, wow, this is their fourth line. This is a pretty good fourth line. Patrick Maroon and Corey Perry here. No, not anymore. They have a bottom six and a bottom pairing like a normal NHL team that it's full guys where you're like, yeesh, I don't know about him. And they have a bad goalie. It's time to wake up, score some goals. You're at home. I know it's a Tuesday night and a Tuesday night at home, basically how the last couple seasons have gone. That mm-hmm. sounds like an automatic loss. No more. You have to win when there's 12,000 people in the building on a Tuesday. You have For to. Sure. For sure. Well, and I think you make a great point there just about the offense needing to wake up. That ultimately is what it's going to come down to. That was, we knew coming into the season that the offense carrying over from last year was going to be the engine that drives this team. And you needed average goaltending out of Levi, but ultimately you didn't make any substantial improvements to the defensive group. You didn't make any substantial improvements to the forward group either, but again, banking on the rollover and maybe continued growth or progress there. And you sure as hell didn't make any upgrades to the net. You kept just about the exact same team with maybe some modest upgrades to your bottom two pairs. But again, you're not even trying to switch anything up when it comes to your second pair for that matter, which I'd like to get into next here. Henry Yoki, how are you, man? I I don't think it's as dire of as like the Olafson situation, because I do think that like, unlike Olafson, Yoki, how you can have some value of put in the right role, but I sure as hell don't think it's next to Owen Power. It, it, it just, there was the, there's been a handful of plays really these past two games, but like there is just a complete and total lack of awareness in his own zone. There was the, the pitiful goal against the Rangers, which Owen Power was not blameless on that either because Power just let the guy go by him pretty much and just didn't really make much of an effort after that. But Yoki Haru just was like a space cadet out there. And that happens so often in these games where it's like, what are we doing trotting this guy out here again? You know, again, I think that there maybe is some value to Yoki Haru. I think he could be a serviceable NHL defenseman. Maybe you need to play him next to Darlene so that Darlene can just drag him around because they've had okay numbers with each other previously. And then putting a guy like Samuelson with power, or trying Clifton with power. Maybe that is ultimately what you need to do. But we, we did this experiment last year. It didn't work. We're trying it again now, two games in. It didn't work. Yoki Haru is not the answer next to Owen Power. You need to do something. You 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 can't. Like I think the Olafson move, like I said, getting him out of the lineup is, is far more dire here, but this has got to be a pretty damn close second. I agree, yeah. And I think Yoki Haru playing with power is one of those classic things where, first of all, we didn't think that was going to happen for most of the summer, but you hear it and you're like, all right, you're kind of cool with some certain things all off season. And then you see it once and you're me like, now 
I'm annoyed that this is even a thing. Yep. Why is why is he even still here? So it, there's there's a few things I wanted to mention with this. First of all, I agree with you. I think a simple fix potentially is just like you said, Darlene dragging him around. I think I think one of the benefits of having someone of Darlene's talent is, hey, he can dr- just drag someone around who's not that good. That's kind of why it's so good to have guys like him. And the second pairing, Samuelson Power. That could be good. I agree. It'd be really good for him. And then Clifton Johnson, I guess, is the third pairing. And then Yoki Haru in the press box. I don't know. It's a, it's a strange thing to me that, first of all, that Yoki Haru was put with power again after that, that wasn't successful last year. That wasn't good for either of them. The other thing that's weird to me, and I didn't get to say this because I was out of country, Riley Stillman getting waived. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that. That that was uh, totally unexpected to me. Shout out to carrying three goalies, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I I think it's just such a strange thing to to have all these defensemen all offseason, but just get rid of the one you most recently traded for. I mean, Very you signed two other guys, but maybe they just weren't impressed with him when they put him in the lineup. I don't know what to say about that. But, yeah, but he was pretty all right for them, though, like down the stretch last year. And I mean, yeah, I he was he fine last that year, wasn't he? Preseason, you know? Yeah, what, what a strange situation. They just I don't know, really married Jacob Bryson, I guess. But yeah, I guess more to the point, you you do have to do something different. And it was annoying to me looking at all this and saying, you know what? They really didn't get the guy that you're playing in the second pair. They didn't do that nope. this offseason. Like, I'm glad Eric Johnson's around. Connor Clifton's not the worst guy to have around. But I don't know. Why get Connor Clifton and Riley Stillman? Not the same, like, offseason. But you traded for Stillman in February and you signed Clifton in July. Why did you get both of them? Mm. <laughs> Quantity, not quality. Why? Why have 14 forwards that can play in the NHL? Who's to say? Right, right. It's it's two games. We have a very small sample size that we're working off of right now. It, it's not a lot, and a lot, a lot of what this team will actually be this season will come about over these next couple of weeks. You get into the swing of the season a little bit more. You get the chemistry down a little bit more getting used to playing with each other again on the ice and everything like that all I think will come into view more a bit over these next couple of weeks. It's an 82 game season. It's not a two game season here. That being said, already you're starting to see just how, I don't want to say dire, but just how unfortunate it is that there was just not a whole lot of action this off season you know, like I, I think we're just getting to a point that let's obviously let this play out. I'm prefacing by saying that, but like it, it, we're getting to a point that you just cannot keep running back the same group of guys year after year here. You know, like yep. take a swing. God damn, like you're ready to do this now. Like you just signed the richest contract in the history of the franchise. You have what? five guys on your team right now making over $7 million. Like guys are firmly in their prime. Your window is now you need to do something or you needed to do something that would take you up to the next, like to the next level to take a step to put yourself either ahead or taking a step with the other teams that you're going to be competing with probably for a playoff spot. These are a lot of these other teams went out and made moves for better or for worse, but I think there was a lot of good moves that could have been made, savvy moves, whatever. Like 
and they just didn't do it. Now, I, th- I think Clifton and Johnson, as we talked about, a couple good pieces of business. But what, your best offseason move is that you signed Connor Clifton to a three-year deal? You're trying to make the playoffs. Like, what are you doing? What they really should be doing is trying to maximize the Tage, Skinner, uh, Tuck, basically the first, li- first line's timeline, uh, Dowling just behind them. And in five years... I don't want to say I have no idea what Tage will be like. Who knows? He could be eight feet tall by then. But Skinner mm. will probably be on the downside. Tuck will be slowing down in all likelihood. Who knows? Uh, and you'll be looking at maybe a lineup that's led more by like Savoy, Benson, Kulik. Who knows? Whoever's around by then. It's a, it's a good situation to have. Like the Sabres could be good right now and they could be good again in 12 years. Still, mm-hmm. they could be they could be finished this era. It could be such a long era. And right now, it seems like they're not interested in the first part at all, even though they, I know they are. I know Kevin Adams wants to make the playoffs this year, but it, he's just it's kind of a, like a weird unwillingness to make these big moves. And I, I don't I don't like to take the short view too much on the head to get a goalie this offseason. But like uh, it was three off seasons of trying to get a goalie or someone in there like some good goalie at some point could have had had at some point in the last three years. I know this specific off season was tough because pretty much everyone just signed where they were except for what Varlam was Varlamov already in the Islanders. No. Yeah, was no, he, he was wasn't. there. Yeah. So him, like Cam Talbot, Jonas Jari, Corpusalo. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing. I, do I want to be the Ottawa senators paying Corpusalo that kind of money? No, no, I would say right now I'd rather do what the Sabres did, but I'd really, I don't know, something else at some point in the past few years. So, well, yeah, and I also, general, I do want to say on that note, Taylor, like you bring up a good point in that your job as a general manager in this front office's role, their job is to find solutions and to make something happen here. And so just to say like, oh, well, there was really nothing that worked for us two years in a row. It's inexcusable. You go out and find those moves. You have the assets to go out and find those moves and to get creative with your offers here that you have on the table, you know? And again, we, we talked about the word urgency a lot and it feels like this Sabres team, like the front office, they don't have a sense of urgency, which they need to have not only because of the fact that you have the league's longest playoff drought, but because you're on the goddamn one yard line of it being good enough to get over the hump. Like this team right now is good enough. You just Absolutely. need to give yourself a little bit of help to have that extra push. And again, it's just been two years of them not doing that. Now, all that to say, you know, we're saying this right now, two games in. And of course, like the the prevailing thought that we all need to have here is that we could be having a very different conversation two weeks from now. Granted, in either direction, it could be maybe hopefully not, but like it could be a lot worse and like, oh, my God, the sky is falling. But also they could settle in in a couple of weeks and it just maybe is taking a little bit of time and that's okay. Like it's going to take a little time, then it's going to take a little time. That's fine. But you you can't rest on the fact that you've had this great internal growth. Like you need to do something that helps moves you forward here. Something's got to be done. Yeah. Beat the lightning. That's what's got to be done. Agreed. Agreed. Do you have any other thoughts, Taylor, before we uh, sign off for the day? Well, thanks to uh, Brian Duff and also Cousin Kev for filling in while I was gone. Uh, mm. Good job all around. Uh, let's see. Do I have a recommendation? Yes. 
I watched it on a plane. I watched actually a few movies on a plane on the way back. You were ripping through, man. Your letterbox on your Instagram stories. <laughs> I was like, it was in one day I was going through your Instagram stories and I was like, Jesus Christ, did this man like have like a 12 movie marathon or something? <laughs> well, I watched three on the plane on the way back on Friday. I think I watched, I might've watched a movie at home on Friday. I don't remember. But then Saturday morning, I watched a trilogy of movies with Carrie. So quite a few movies, like six Damn. probably in a row. You probably saw, saw in the letterbox, but the one that I wanted to mention, this is my last non spooky season one. I'll get all spooky season one soon. Tenet, which I had not seen Christopher Nolan movie that came out, unfortunately during COVID in 2020. Wow. It's, it's wild. It's a good time. It's pretty crazy. I did not really understand most of it. It's like kind of like what people say Inception is. People are like, oh, Inception's so complicated. Like, no, it's not. It's actually very simple. It's just dreams. What are you talking about? Like, oh, this guy fell asleep inside a dream and there was another dream. It's like, yeah, I, I just explained that in like seven words. How complicated <laughs> is that? <laughs> anyway, Tenet, I don't get it still. I only kind of get it. Uh, but Folks, if you want to learn how to pull off a temporal pincer movement, or if you just want to see some great lead acting from uh, John David Washington and uh, Robert Pattinson, highly recommend it. It's a it's a good time, and uh, it's it's worth it. I think. I mean, if you feel confused early on, just keep watching, and you'll kind of get some of it. The important parts. All right, I like it. For my recommendation, I'm going to do two separate ones. For one, I'm going to do a very self-serving one. My band Canadis put out our new EP on Friday. It's called On All That's Real. It's available now on all streaming platforms. Included within the EP is our new intro-outro song, which is called All At Once by, again, my band Canadis. So would very, very much appreciate it if you all wouldn't mind uh, giving it a listen. I think you'll, you'll like it, as I'm very proud of it. But for a non-self-serving recommendation... As we all know, the Sabres released their goal songs for the year just ahead of the start of the regular season. A lot of great selections that in there, of course, led by Jeff Skinner, picking Breaking Free from High School Musical. Just <laughs> yeah. in, incredible stuff, folks. Incredible. But I wanted to go with what I thought was a sneaky good selection there of a song that I just in general like, and I'm sure many people probably know but don't realize they know. Eric Johnson, Land of a Thousand Dances by Wilson Pickett. That is my recommendation. Go check it out and give it a listen. It's a great song. Taylor, it's damn good to have you back, my friend. Back in back in the States, back over yonder. We're, we're happy to have you back. I missed you dearly after uh, so long. Two and a half, three weeks of not being able to do a podcast with you. I was, yeah, I was really excited time. myself. <laughs> yeah, it's it was weird. The podcast just kept coming out and I was talking on them and I was like, I wonder what I said on that podcast from, that I recorded 10 days ago. Yep. Um, God, I don't even remember my NHL predictions, but I hope we're all correct. Actually, already. Congratulations! Oh wow, I'm looking at this. I said, also Matthews is going to have two hat tricks to start the season. That's amazing! Wow, good job by me. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, besides that, um, anything? Well, you know what? I think uh, since we're going to the game Tuesday, and that's the only game between now and when we record again, I assume our Wednesday. Well, our Wednesday recording episode, our Thursday release date episode will probably just be all about that game. Yep. But maybe more existential if they're 0-3. <laughs> it's going to be bad. But if they're 0-3, that will be not good. But it'll be very fun getting to go to a game with you. So very much looking forward to that. 
All right, everybody. As Taylor said, we're going to be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. This has been Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And of course, following them on social media, the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo are both active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And before you close out of this app, whatever you're using to listen to this episode, please, please, please make sure you leave us a nice little rating or review as we would very very much appreciate it last but not least we have our wonderful sponsors folks oh god we we just we love these sponsors so much uh we have of course DraftKings sportsbook and you can use that promo code thpn to take advantage of great deals at checkout and of course thin man brewery head to thin man brewery's website to keep up with all the great exciting things they have going on you can follow them on social media as well active on facebook and on instagram there make sure wherever you're picking up your beverages you're walking out with uh with a four pack or two of your favorite thin man beers again we'll be back with a brand new episode on thursday thank you all so much for tuning in this has been straight up sabers Save.